the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning to you. George Brockler filling in for the great Peter Boyles here. I'll be with you for the rest of the week. Actually, today I'll be with you till 10. Um, wanted to uh, follow up on the conversation we had with Pete yesterday. It's uh, in Westward. Great article written by Mike Roberts, who's a longtime friend of Pete's. Uh, there's some pictures in there of Pete from circa, it could be 1920. I don't know, but it's uh it's a bearded, mustachioed Pete with some glasses that scream. It's the 70s in there with uh, that kind of hairstyle. Got to check that thing out if you haven't already. Uh, if you missed yesterday's show, uh, Pete announced that he is retiring from the radio. Long conversation. You should go back and listen to the podcast. But here's the really good news. He's not just disappearing off the planet Earth. It's not like he's hooking up with his buddy Jeff Bezos and taking a flight off the planet. April 1st, yes, April Fool's Day. There's no joke here. There's no, I don't think there's going to be a Tom Brady moment. I'm out. I'm in. I don't think that's happening. But April 1st at the View House in Centennial, 710 is going to try to do the send-off that Pete deserves. Frankly, we should do it for a, a week or a month long if we're going to do it right. But we're going to get those five hours at the View House for you, the listener, as well as all those folks over the many, many, many years since Marconi created this whole thing. Uh, to come in and, and pay their respects, do some walk down memory lane. There will be tickets available, I presume, online soon. We just don't have it up on the website yet, but keep an eye out for that. Otherwise, uh, put down in your calendar there to make sure you listen for all five hours on Friday. That's from 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. That will include Pete's show, My Little Bitty Show, and that's on April the 1st, and that will be the big send-off. By the way, Pete also still going to be on air in different capacities, still doing the shoot with Mark Crowley. Just won't be doing the mo the Monday through Friday morning drive time thing. You've got me this entire week, and I think in the succeeding weeks until uh, we figure out exactly everything that's going on. But until that time, as you know, if it's the morning, we can't really get going with any conversation with callers until we're brought up on the Thorpe all the, Report. Yeah, all, all the nonsense that all, happened overnight. All the news that no one would print. <laughs> yeah, that no one really wants to hear anyway. Good morning, sir. Hey. And you got to check out that Westwood story because if only for the 1970s glorious oh, picture, picture of Pete. You're yes. like, that can't be him. That's yeah, not really yeah. Pete Boyle. Uh, way too much facial hair, way too much hair oh in his gosh, head. very yeah. 70s. Oh, so 70s. It's, it's great. You check it out. Uh, well, good morning. Today is going to be windy and cold. Another round of light snow is going to hit our city and the plains by this afternoon and this evening. Skies are going to be clear statewide tomorrow, though. Temperatures are going to warm back up, though, through the rest of the week. Expect highs tomorrow to reach up into the 50s, 60s for Thursday and Friday, and then 70s returning to Denver mm. by the weekend. Should be good. Unfortunately, we are marking today the one-year anniversary since 10 people were killed in the Table Mesa King Supers. And the guy who did the crime still not going to be charged with anything. Yeah. A judge in Denver agreed yesterday to drop the murder case against Matthew Doloff, the unlicensed security guard who shot and killed a protester outside of dueling political rallies near Civic Center Park in October of 2020. The district attorney's office had said in an earlier filing that they planned to drop the lone charge of second-degree murder Doloff was facing in the shooting death of 49-year-old Lee Keltner because it did not have evidence to prove Doloff was guilty of the charge. 
The annual A-Town All-Star Boys and Girls Basketball Games bringing some of the best athletes together in the city. This year... How'd it turn out? It, sound, it was supposed to be last night. Super excited to hear what happened. Yes. Super unexcited that it was canceled what? due to recent acts of violence. The Cherry Creek School District announced it would be canceling the games out of an abundance of caution following recent gang-related violence in the Denver metro area. They just got done canceling valedictorians in class yeah. rank. Yes, not no because of gang violence, though. No, but not, yeah. But again, it's, so we aren't supposed to have competition in the classroom. And then we have competition on the basketball court. But we can't have that because we can't keep them safe. Unbelievable. Yeah. Maybe we can just ask the defund the police people and they can go send some, you know, social workers to the area. Yeah, th- this, and this, ask people one, how they're feeling. this one is, this one touches a nerve, yeah. right? Because uh, we're now talking about how bad the Colorado crime tsunami is. When it impacts events like this, yeah. you know, where it's just kids. Uh, and so later on in the show, as you know, because you helped set this up, we're going to yeah. have uh, Matt Connolly from Campfire Colorado come on to talk about it. And then in the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to have City Councilman uh, Dustin Zvonik from Aurora to weigh in on this as well. He came out pretty strongly against this. Um, there's some real issues out there, Billy. This story yeah. that you found is a good one. This is ridiculous. I mean, you just got to think about the process in which the people in charge think they can't keep the students safe enough to hold an all-star basketball game. What does that say? One, about security. Two, about the community. And by the way, the security you're referring to is the Aurora Police Department. Yes. They had already planned on bringing uh, more people, a bigger show of strength, and they were like, let's just not do it. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's annoying. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Elsewhere here in Colorado, the Durango and Silverton Narrow Gauge Railroad Company and its parent company is going to have to pay $20 million to our U.S. government for damage caused by the 2018-416 fire near Durango under a settlement agreement that was announced yesterday. Here's an odd connection to the conflict in Ukraine. A Russian billionaire who owns the steel mill in Pueblo and several homes in Colorado could see some of his residential property seized by the U.S. government. Oddly enough, we've talked about this oligarch before. It's none other than Roman Abramovich, the owner of Chelsea FC Club in London. Who you had told me they took away his club or something? Yeah, Yeah, he's got his club's been suspended in in England right now. He owns the Evraz Steel Mill in Pueblo and two mansions in Snowmass. And the U.S. government is looking at seizing all of those properties. Unbelievable. Yeah. Ukraine said it retook a strategically important suburb of Kiev early on Tuesday. We're going to stop that ringing. A Russia, as Russian forces squeezed other parts near the capital and their attack at the battled southern port of Mariupol raged unabated. They're still not able to take that town despite almost pummeling it into dust. Well, and remember, too, that uh, Putin came out and said, basically, listen, uh, part of our peace negotiation is yeah. you have to stop defending Mariupol. Yeah. And uh, Zelensky said, um, suck it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> well, I don't know what the Ukrainian no. for suck it is, yeah, but that like, was it. Yeah. Does no work for you? How about that? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, European media is reporting that Russian pre- President Vladimir Putin ordered the house arrest of two senior federal security service officers. The chief of the FSB's Fifth Service reportedly was detained along with his deputy, and they are charged with providing, quote, flawed intelligence about Ukraine and improper <laughs> use of operational fluids and funds. Separately, Ukraine's National Security Council chief has claimed that several Russian generals have also been fired. I wonder what the bad intelligence was like. They're all in a room saying, hey, how tough is this going to be? And someone yeah. goes, they're just like the French. They're like, yeah, oh, exactly. let's go. Let's go. Like, oh, not not no, understanding. No, yeah. Not quite. 
Not at all. And this kind of jumps back to the Cold War. We're seeing videos coming out of Russia with shoppers fighting over goods in their stores. Most recently, it's a fight over bags of sugar. It shows just Where how, is this? In, in Russia, it's showing how scarce this, sta- this staple has become because the economic fallout from the war in Ukraine. The videos are coming out of several towns and cities across Russia. Crowds of people are in the stores jo- shouting, jostling, yelling. In fact, in one of them, there's a man carrying five bags of sugar. People walk up to him, start yelling at him, and then punch him in the face. <laughs> yes. Get a bag of sugar, sugar, get a punch. Exactly. And so over the sugar, that's how bad it's getting in Russia. Uh, how bad is it here at home? Well, President Joe Biden is going to travel to Belgium and Poland this week to seek to hold together a Western alliance. Okay. It's beginning to show some potential cracks, Uh-oh. making a symbolic appearance in a country whose leaders fear it could be a future target of Russian aggression. I didn't know there were cracks. Yeah, I didn't think so either. But, uh, well, that's, if Biden's in charge, there are going to be cracks. Just as a whole. <laughs> but plastic surgery fixes <laughs> yeah, them. exactly. All of that, yes. Maybe a little nap for him. Uh, a total of 45% of us Americans say we approve of the way Joe Biden is handling his job as president. 51% said they disapprove of what Biden is doing inside of the Oval Office. That's the latest survey from the American Research Group. Just as a snapshot back in February, he had a 44% approval rating and 52 disapproving, meaning we've had a one-point wow. swing overall given the fact that he is now a, quote, War president. So that bounce people were expecting, eh, not so much. Supreme Court nominee Ketanji Brown-Jackson pledged yesterday to decide cases, quote, without fear or favor if the Senate confirms her historic nomination as the first black woman on the high court. The 51-year-old thanked God and professed love for our country and the Constitution in a 12-minute statement to the Judiciary Committee at the end of her first day of confirmation hearings. But, of course, yesterday was the first day of hearings, four hours long. Almost entirely consumed by remarks from the panel's 22 members. No, let's not ask her questions and get to stuff. Let's just speechify. Did, and did we any, wonder why we can't get stuff done. I guess I was going to say, did anybody ask, but we're only going to get to the questions today, which yeah. is where the real fireworks which should be. Which is dumb. It, it, it's it dumb. It's dumb. dumb. But did I want someone to ask her, when you say without fear or favor, fear of what? Yeah. What is it? Your is it fear of the Constitution? Fear of public backlash? Fear of the woke base? I mean, what I are you know. talking about? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. The thing that just ticks me off is the fact that this is basically an enormous job interview, and we spend four hours with people just talking. There, there are not, politicians, not actually by the way. interviewing yeah. the, the job applicants. I mean, imagine if you went for a job to a job interview, and the person interviewing you spent an hour. Just talking. <laughs> and then shook you, your hand. Thank you. Yeah. You'd say, well, come back tomorrow and I'll ask you some questions. You'd go, this place is nuts and these people are stupid. Although if at the end of that baton death march of yeah. job interviews, you got to have lifetime tenure in a position where you had. Yeah, good point. I mean, you're one of nine people in the country That's that true. helps make. And in fact, in some cases, maybe the deciding vote, although she's part of that progressive wing. But most of those speeches, at least from Republicans, apparently were opportunities to smack down the Democrat side over the Kavanaugh confirmation hearing. So it's like, oh, is this how we're going to do this now? We're just going to keep trying to score points off the – okay, I got it. I'm just thinking she gets a job in which you get to wear this big black robe and so you can dress however you want. I mean, you know, it's like there isn't an official uniform after that. You can come in in shorts and a T-shirt. You just throw that robe over the top of you. It's kind of like working in radio where pants are optional on most days. You told me you weren't going to tell people that this morning, <laughs> that there wasn't going to be this George isn't wearing pants thing, but I have hey, to say I was just going to allude to it, and then we're going to have to play a guessing game later on. But Yeah, there's no. something else you may not know about the Supreme yes. Court is no joke, there is a basketball court yeah. above the actual Supreme Court. No kidding. And it is called the highest court in the land, 
and uh, and clerks and interns and justices go up there and dribble and round and shoot. No joke at all that there is a why that exists. I don't know. Why I is there that. a bowling alley in the White House? I don't know, but these things happen. Yeah, I know these things happen. There's also a basketball court inside of Disneyland. We'll get to that later. Yeah. Uh, in media news, legendary NFL play-by-play announcer Al Michaels has entered into an agreement with Amazon Prime Video. He is going to lead their football booth when they begin their exclusive coverage of Thursday Night Football coming up this fall. Michaels' partner will be ESPN's Kirk Herbstreet. An official announcement come, could come as early as this week. And, you know, it was uh, yeah. Al Michael with Chris Collinsworth. I love that duo. And by the way, it, it now makes me wonder. I don't know what his contract is, but it's like four million, five million. Do you believe in big paychecks? Yes. Oh yeah, huge paychecks. And I'm curious to see how this pays off because it's a huge paycheck based on a stream, and we're going to see how they true. monetize that. That's going to be very interesting. And to you, see. you've now seen two of the big duos make the shift away from network TV. Yeah. So you've got um, who went to ESPN? We were just talking about him. Oh, Joe Buck. Joe Buck. Joe Buck and Troy, and Aikman. Troy Aikman. Yeah, to do Monday Night Football. To do Monday Night Football, huge coin to Enormous. to leave network TV. And I know people are going to be like, "Hey, ESPN owns Disney and ABC." I, I understand, but it's it is a move away from network TV. Yeah. And, yeah. and so is this. And the interesting thing, remember when? I mean, this is a number of years ago when ESPN took Monday Night Football and said, "We are no longer going to have it across terrestrial." broadcasting it will be a cable only broadcast with the exception of the local markets and that's what happened and people thought oh nobody's gonna watch monday night football because now it's on cable you gotta pay for it you gotta pay for it well people started paying for it and now with these streaming services same thing you've got to pay for them one of the but i'm sure i'm still curious to see how amazon is going to specifically monetize these type of streams because i'm a huge fan of international soccer and a number of those leagues are streamed like NBC. But, but don't they have to do the commercials just well, like network TV? Here's, here's the thing, though. Is, well, again, soccer is unique because yeah. they figured out how to play 45 minutes in a row and not have commercials because they'd take no commercial breaks. But what they what? do is they have, remember, it's a 45 minute running clock for a half. Bleak? I mean, you, you don't. You got to go beforehand. <laughs> or, <laughs> you got to be very smart about it. Soccer catheter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what they do very intelligently one is you put advertisers all over the damn jerseys, but you also have advertisers that appear at the top of the screen. You NASCAR the soccer yeah, players? You absolutely do. <laughs> and if the, the NFL is salivating to be able to do what, what Chico's soccer has bail done. bonds. Yes, it, oh, on the back of oh, some jerseys have, or something. Oh, the jerseys you have you have a sponsor on the front, you have a sponsor on the oh, sleeve, I've seen and you have a sponsor on the back. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, so you can get three sponsors on a shirt. Yeah, you think the NFL wants part of that? Absolutely they wow. do. And the most intelligent thing they do is they have these video screens that circle the entire side of the soccer field where the where the uh, cameras are playing and they run commercials continuously while you're watching the game. So it's 45 minutes of this ticker behind oh the goodness. players of advertisements. You it think is, this is what's coming for the Amazon football thing? Uh, well, what I'm thinking is I'm trying to figure out how they're going to monetize this because when I see the streaming services, and NBC has a streaming service called Peacock, and a lot oh, of yeah. the games... But they have regular commercials on Peacock. Well, here's the thing. is uh, When you stream some of these soccer matches, you don't get the commercials. They go to halftime, and you just get a highlight package. You get no commercials. You get no halftime Although, results or anything else. Know, and the same thing at the beginning of the after. Basically, as soon as the match is kicked off, the stream starts about a minute and a half before the match kicks off and then ends about a minute and a half after the match But you're right. The soccer is different. Like, there's yeah, no, totally there's no comfort breaks in soccer. Yeah, you know all. what I mean? Like, if there's a stoppage of the clock, it's something serious. Yeah. But football's designed for breaks. Like, you go super intense oh, yeah. for a handful of seconds, and then yep. everybody takes a breather. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to work. And the one advantage the streaming services are going to have 
is the lack of the consumer's ability to change the channel because you have to reload and buffer that particular broadcast. Think about if you had to change your channel at your TV and it took 25 or 30 seconds for that channel to come up. You wouldn't flip the channels quite as much when you hit those commercials. So I think that may be the advantage. I'm just curious to see how they're going to monetize this. But uh, it's a change. I'm interested. Yeah. I, I watch football. I watch pro football mostly with my youngest. He's the only one of the kids that seems to have taken a liking to the uh, to the sports stuff. But um, we'll see. We'll be watching, and we have Amazon. You, how about you? As far as streaming, I mean, how much streaming do you do personally? I consume based on TV hours of else? streaming a day, whether it's Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Peacock, Paramount Plus. I mean, I'm probably paying more than I've ever paid before now, here's to consume media. Do you consume the? Uh, do you consume things like uh, rebroadcast, where you know the show is taped like onto YouTube or and then rebroadcast later, or do you look for the original content coming out of Netflix and Amazon? Or is it a if, mix I, of the if two? I can do the if I can do the original on Netflix, like they'll highlight something, I'll be like, yeah. oh, I'd love to see that. It, whether it's a movie like The Adam Project, you know, with Ryan Reynolds. By the way, great movie. The family really watched it. it. It was great. And or if it's a binge watching something like right now, my son and I, we just got through binging nine seasons of The Office. It took us months to do it, but we did it. Now we're into oh, that's great. Parks and Rec. And I've oh, that's so good. There, there's a, a episode we watched yesterday where Andy's uh, the new shoe shiner in City Hall. And I want this clip for a show opening at some point. But he says, I really have no idea what I'm doing, but I think I'm doing a really good job. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> that encapsulates this. That is perfectly. it. That is it right That's there. exactly what we're doing this morning. Oh, to wrap up the news, we got two more stories for you. Shock and disbelief filled the town of Thika, Kenya, during a recent mop-up by police. Why? Yeah. Well, they were coming through town looking for street beggars, especially those that claim to be physically challenged. Well, they come down a certain area of the street where it's very populated. Oh, shock. Surprise. 38 different beggars get up and magically you're now okay and they run away. Hold on. This is the scene from Trading Places. It's exactly 1982's classic with Eddie Murphy. Yes. Yes. Or <laughs> the cops pick him up. Yeah. It's a miracle. Yeah, they, they've arrested beggars in the past who've been fleecing the residents of hard-earned money by pretending to be physically challenged or disabled. So during a recent sweep, they actually have pictures online. 38 different people magically discover the ability oh, to suddenly goodness. walk and then run to get away from the police. See, police are good. They, yes. They are miracle workers. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> they created 38 miracles just in one town of Kenya. Back the blue. Uh, and finally, in the most bizarre story I have found in a very long time, which really says something, a 27-year-old Brazilian singer says that she recently landed in the hospital with trapped gas. What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Because whoa, whoa. she was too embarrassed to fart in front of her boyfriend. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> the 27-year-old this weekend dropped a bunch of photos of herself in the hospital explaining that she woke up this Saturday with horrible, horrible stomach pain. It was awful. She thought she was having appendicitis or something even no. worse. She was rushed to the hospital, diagnosed with trapped gas. So she then talked to her female followers that you shouldn't be embarrassed to break wind in front of those that you love because sometimes the consequences can be dangerous. The trust there in a relationship, its you cross these yeah. different lines when you're in a relationship, oh, yes, you and you do. can tell yeah. where you're at, and oh, that yeah. is... By the way, for dudes, it happens almost instantly. In oh, fact, yes, that's exactly. how you could end up meeting a guy, is yeah. be like, was that you? Was that you? Good yes, Lord. Exactly. Yeah. Good was Lord. that... What yeah. the hell are you eating? When you know, did that you kind of, eat a dead raccoon? <laughs> <laughs> right. Or I hope you ate it. It didn't just burrow up there. But uh, for, for is it more embarrassing for her to break wind in front of her boyfriend or to be like... 
hey, can you get on the phone and call 911 because exactly. it feels like I'm distended here. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I, I just don't know what the cure for this is, but I picture people doing a CPR-like gesture that turns her into the human accordion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that. It's like you know, that, that, that whoopee cushion thing where you push it and go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she shoots around the room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and like the, the 6 a.m. Yeah. hour is designed for fart jokes, and that's yes, really where we yes. come down. And you are welcome. What a way to start your day. It's uh, your turn now. Did you <laughs> forgive me, Billy? Did you yeah. mention the uh, forgive me? I was looking up something online. The no, no, uh, the decision, the official decision by the Denver DA's office yeah. to fu- yeah yeah. Listen, that one uh, that one is important. We well, talk- I know you pay attention. I'm just saying. no, no. I'm sorry. I was you know what I was looking <laughs> I'm at. Just teasing, I was yeah. looking at the story that you found think- on the whole canceling yeah. the the basketball game. I, the, I don't think most people listen anyway. <laughs> no, that's that's it's not true. Good. There are tens of people. I'm kidding. Exactly. Um, for the the Doloff thing, and, and for those of you that listen to the show regularly, last week we spent a little bit of time on this. Actually, a couple of weeks ago, we knew back on, I think, March 11th, so maybe 10 days ago, that the district attorney had indicated to the defense that she was going to dump the case against Michael Doloff. And we had a pretty good discussion about it. Well, we know more about it today. It's been official. Yesterday was a, a court hearing where the DA formally filed the motion to dismiss. There's a lot about this that is problematic for me, and um, and maybe for you too. And I'd love to get your input on this and what you think's going on at 303-696-1971. But let me tell you what happened when the DA's office issues now a formal letter or formal notice to, to the public. And you can find this online. This was just yesterday. There are two paragraphs in here. And actually three, the one's the last sentence. There are two paragraphs in here. And in my opinion, they seem to be at odds. And it maybe it takes a prosecutor or an attorney to discern for you the difference. But let me read to you what the Denver DA's office said when they punted 17 months after every millisecond of this crime was captured on video and they charged this Doloff guy with murder. L- let me tell you what they said. I'm going to read this to you. Uh, and it's out of Denver. This afternoon, prosecutors with the Denver DA's office formally dismissed the case against Mr. Matthew Doloff, who was charged in October 2020 with one count of murder in the second degree for the shooting death of Mr. Lee Keltner, as the case progressed, this is helpful here, and a full analysis of the case details, including materials provided by defense counsel, was made. I'm going to stop right there. We deserve to know what those materials were. The public should get to know when somebody kills another person, whether that's a police officer or a civilian, even if it's justified, we should get to know Every drop of evidence that went into that that would help us come to the conclusion that nobody can be held accountable for it. And we don't know what that is yet. Back to the thing. Prosecutors realized that they would not be able to prove that Mr. Doloff did not have the right to use deadly force to defend himself and others pursuant to Colorado law. That's actually not an accurate statement of the law. It's not that they should be able to prove that he did not have the right to use deadly force. Of course Doloff always has the right to use deadly force in defense of himself. That's not the right phraseology for this. What they said at the time that they said they were going to punt on this case is that they couldn't disprove that he used self-defense. That is the correct way to look at this affirmative defense. And they go on to say that prosecutors have an ethical obligation to proceed with a criminal case only if they believe they can prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, which is why the case was dismissed today. So, Let me just tell you again those words. Only if they believe they can prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, which is why the case was dismissed. When you hear that, don't you hear the DA saying, yeah, I think he did it, 
we just can't disprove self-defense beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's legit, by the way. If that's the standard, that is legit. And we go through that. Uh, when I was the DA down on the 18th, we went through that analysis routinely on cases big and small. Can we disprove the affirmative defense? Because in the state of Colorado, when you claim self-defense, the prosecutor has to disprove it beyond a reasonable doubt, has to prove that it wasn't self-defense or that it wasn't choice of evils or fill in the blank. But wait, then you get to the second paragraph, which is an actual quote from the Denver DA in this case. Quote, Lee Keltner's death was a tragedy, and I understand that this decision is difficult to accept for those who loved him. And frankly, probably difficult to accept for those people who watched the damn video, right? My heart goes out to the friends and family of Mr. Keltner. However, without provocation, Mr. Keltner verbally threatened and physically assaulted Mr. Doloff. And you'll remember, he physically assaulted him by slapping him and then pulled out that big bear spray canister. Back to the statement. And was the initial aggressor before being shot. Under Colorado's law, Matthew Doloff had no duty to retreat. And here's the key phrasing. Was legally justified in his actions. While I do not agree with Mr. Doloff's decision to use lethal force, the fact remains he had the right to do so under our law. Those two paragraphs are in conflict. And here's how they're in conflict. One paragraph says, we can't disprove self-defense beyond a reasonable doubt, and that's why we dismissed it. The paragraph with the quote by D.A. Beth McCann says, I believe he acted in self-defense. Those are two entirely different things. The second paragraph says, I believe no crime was committed. The first paragraph says, I can't prove the crime was committed beyond a reasonable doubt. Whoever drafted this for her is either not an attorney or not a very good one, because these two things make no sense when they're read together. What in the heck is going on here? And the bigger question for me, and again, I'm never going to second guess an attorney on the decision. On the If they don't feel like they can prove it beyond a reasonable doubt, whether that's a function of who they have on staff and they don't think they can go forward, that, that's, that's fine. That's fine. I get it. I, I want prosecutors to make ethical decisions. And a caller last or two weeks ago when we talked about this said, we should put this in front of a jury and see what they say. Absolutely not. I do not agree with that at all. If you want prosecutors to just wing it and throw stuff at the at the jury and see what what stuff sticks, you are going to have a worse criminal justice system than you can possibly imagine. You want prosecutors to be bound by the ethical standard that was explained here. The problem is twofold. One, it is at complete odds with the statement by DA Beth McCann that she believes this guy acted in self-defense. The statement in the first paragraph should have been, I dismissed this case because I think no crime was committed. That's what you're saying. When you've acted in self-defense, the law says, ain't no crime committed. That's not what they put in the first paragraph. They tried to massage it by saying, we don't think we can disprove it beyond a reasonable doubt. And then in the second paragraph, I believe it was self-defense. What's going on? But here's the second big problem, the bigger one for me as a person who had to make decisions in cases like this. What took place over 17 months that brought us here, the month before trial, we're finally punting this thing. When the key evidence, which you can look online, was analyzed frame by frame. Why in the world did it take 17 months? And if the answer is, well, the defense provided us information, what was it? What could the defense have given you 17 months later that would cause you to go, whoa, 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 we're not ethically able to continue to move forward? 
what is going on here? 303-696-1971. Got to cut away for a break. But this one, uh, you know, again, uh, I, the public safety thing matters to me. Decisions by DAs matter to me. We're going to continue to talk about this. I'd love to have this conversation with you when we come back. Until that time, my name's George Brockler filling in for the godfather of radio out here, the great Peter Boyles at 710 KNUS. If we wouldn't have to wait so long, brilliant by Billy behind the glass. 17 months after Lee Keltner was shot through the eyeball, I think, uh, by Matthew Doloff, charges against him formally dismissed by the DA. If you listen to that last segment, I broke down the inconsistencies within the Denver DA statement uh, in dismissing the charge. In the first paragraph, it says, uh, we don't think we can prove the crime beyond a reasonable doubt. And in the other statement by the DA, the DA comes out and definitively says, I believe that Matthew Doloff was legally justified in using deadly force in defense of himself. That is an entirely different thing altogether. But I want to talk to you about this in a different way, too. I uh, I want to read to you the self-defense statute in the state of Colorado, because as you can imagine, you do have the right to defend yourself and others. And here's the way the law is right out here. This is what the DA is saying we can't disprove. Blah, 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 blah. A person is justified in, this is 18-1-704. A person is justified in using physical force upon another person in order to defend himself or a third person from what he reasonably believes to be the use, that's the ongoing use, or imminent use about to happen of unlawful physical force by that other person and he may use a degree of force which he reasonably believes to be necessary for that purpose. So what it's saying is self-defense isn't just limited to you pulling out a gun and shooting someone in the face. You could slap someone, punch someone, push someone, trip them, you know, whatever it is. If that is uh, what you reasonably believe is necessary for that purpose. Now, next subsection speaks directly to what Doloff did. Deadly physical force may be used only... If a person reasonably believes a lesser degree of force is inadequate and and the actor has reasonable grounds to believe and does believe that he or another person is in imminent danger of not being sprayed with pepper spray. No, no. In imminent danger of being killed or of receiving great bodily injury. Now, I want you to go back to the the, this video of Matthew Doloff killing Lee Keltner. And again, frame by frame, it's been broken down. It's on the interwebs. You can find this thing anywhere. There have been stories done on it everywhere. Um, At what point was he in imminent fear, fear of imminent death or great bodily injury? And maybe the best way to think about this is take Doloff's gun away. Just magic it right out of existence from that situation. Had he not had a gun, how does this end up? Does it end up with Matthew Doloff dying? No. Does it end up with Matthew Doloff suffering great bodily injury from being sprayed by bear spray? Great bodily injury? No. So absent that gun, we know that the outcome is that he would not have died and suffered great bodily injury. So the question then has to be, Could he reasonably perceive that he was only to later find out, oh, I guess it was just bear spray. I had no idea. I thought it was something else. You've seen the video. What the hell is going on here? 
And something else, something else that's an important question for you gun owners out there, for those of you that have taken a CCW course or a gun safety course, you get talked to about when you can use deadly force. You get talked to about when you pull, how you pull, um, pulling the trigger, all those things. Is this situation one that in your CCW class you were told fits the definition of go ahead and pull the trigger? This kind of a situation where you taught that if someone comes up and makes a fist or slaps you or appears to want to spray you with something, that it's okay for you to pull your piece and pull the trigger, get a slap, give a bullet. Was that the standard that was applied? And maybe the answer is yes, and I'd love to hear from you at 303-696-1971. What's the way that you look at this that makes this an okay decision here, that makes this legal and justified, given what I've told you the law is in the state of Colorado? And then the other question in my mind is, and I don't want this to be true. I really don't want it to be true. I don't want to presume that it's true, but it is something that is interesting to think about. What if the roles had been reversed? What if it had been Lee Keltner who had shown up there carrying a weapon when he wasn't licensed to do so, and that this guy was not a licensed security guy, and he intervenes with some spat between an Antifa-loving Matthew Doloff and somebody else, and the Antifa-loving Matthew Doloff pulls out uh, some sort of spray, and Lee Keltner pulls his gun and shoots him in the face. Is this the same outcome we get? Does the Denver DA dump this case and proclaim Lee Doloff was completely authorized to do what he did, and so therefore his his act isn't criminal? Do you believe that? I I do, and I want to believe it. But I got to tell you, given everything that's going on these days and the hyper-political world of prosecution in some parts of the state and the country, and we've seen it everywhere, not just Denver. We've seen it in San Francisco and Philadelphia and L.A., um, what's going on here? 303-696-1971 going right to the phone lines. Ron, you're on 710 KNUS. Brother, I'm telling you, man, this is absolutely crazy. Yes, the outcome would have been different. Yes, they would have been prosecuting him. He would have fried. He would have been in jail for life. They would have been seeking the death penalty if they could. This is ridiculous on every level. I am sure you see that. But for some reason, my brother, I think you're not wanting to say it. I don't. I don't listen, I don't want to conclude it because, I look, I've been in that seat and I've had people accuse me of decisions that I've made. of being, Oh, that must have been politics. And, and I will take Beth at her word that she didn't think she could prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. But but the part I don't get is to go further and to say that and then go. And by the way, I believe that he did act in self-defense. Those are two different things. Why go there? Why say that? And and what was it you saw in the video that made you think, oh, yeah, this guy's definitely in fear of imminent death or a great bodily injury? Uh, yeah, exactly. Absolutely nothing. Because I'll tell you one thing. Isn't it every time you see these riots when they were happening there in, uh, where is it, Seattle, that they for crowd control, don't they use pepper spray, bear spray? And since when is – how come that's not lethal then, but all of a sudden it's lethal now? Come on. This is ridiculous all the way. What do you think is going on with the 17-month the delay? And I say that in recognition that the Denver DA's office said, hey, we got provided some pretty good information from the defense, and that caused us to re I, I can't imagine what that is other than maybe they got a use-of-force expert who came in and said, 
no, this is definitely appropriate or something. I I, like, yeah, go ahead. You're looking at everything wrong. I, I you're, you're looking at it that they're they're all legit. They're all trying to do everything the right way. Uh, but Dad Gummit, we can't find anything here. I think it's all smoke and mirrors. I think they didn't plan on it from the get go. I think they just are just it's like a little pony show going on right here. And they're just trying to buy time, hoping things, the dust will settle. Uh, this may not get as much attention uh, 17 months down the road. It's This whole thing reeks. I called him before, and I'm sure you remember when I said, is this guy on the left? And I remember you saying, I don't know. Is yeah. he? Wouldn't that be interesting to find out? Yeah. Bingo. Bingo. Yeah. I, it, Here we are. Let me ask you this. I'm it, telling it, you. If – Lee Keltner, instead of that bear spray thing that he had, and, and, and let's admit, when you break something down slide by slide, it gives it more time than you really have in the moment. Everything happens much more quickly live. Sure. Let's say that instead of pulling the bear spray, he had pulled a gun. Would we have a different opinion about this? Well, of course. So, Of it, course. I so, mean, that, that's on anything. I mean, you know, if the guy pulled uh, in any scenario, if a guy pulls a gun versus anything else, uh, pulls out a uh, a baton, pulls out uh, a, a bottle, picks up a rock. You know, of course the gun makes every bit Have of a you difference. In, in watching that video, Ron, do you think it is reasonable for Doloff in that situation to have perceived that this guy was pulling a gun? He could be wrong, but that he was pulling a gun. And, and I ask it in this context. We have heard about officer-involved shootings across the country where police have shot someone who they said, hey, he was going for something, and it turns out, I'm making this, this part of it, but it turns out it was a stapler, or it was his wallet, or it was a cell phone. Sure. Is that conceivable here that this guy, Doloff, pulls the trigger believing that Keltner is pulling not bear spray but a gun? No, I think it's all, you know what, I really wonder, I've never thought of this until just right now when you're going over this, as far as what's the mentality of some of these people? Um you know, here's a guy who's carrying a gun. He shouldn't be carrying a gun. Is his mentality, is he one of those type of people that is just looking for a reason and he found one? And and he was – that that's – he's a ticking time bomb in other words. There's people that are out there. There's cops, sadly, that are out there that are just waiting for the right opportunity to say, oh, wow, I feared for my life. Yeah. I, I'm not buying it one bit. This, I, I do think. Breaks, oh, and I, I, I need to ask you this. Yeah, go Is ahead. the governor going to step in? Is the governor going to do something like he did in that trucker thing? Is he going to? Not just the trucker thing, but remember Elijah McClain. He didn't like the outcome of the Elijah. You know what we need is a change.org petition. If Lee Keltner's family can get a change.org petition to get somewhere in that two to four million range. Uh, then the governor will act. We know that that is his unofficial threshold for taking executive action is when you get enough people behind something on change.org, he will take action. We, you're 100% right. We need to do something. And let, let's see if we could get some celebrities to uh, say that this needs to be charged. <laughs> Good and, luck. Good luck, brother. If the happen, roles were right? reversed, I think that yeah, could happen. Right? You know it, brother. Thanks, man. Hey, man. Thanks, Ron. I appreciate it. Ron brings up some interesting points, although I do like where we're going with the discussion here as I'm noodling through this. And this wouldn't go to, I think the guy acted in self-defense. This would go to, I can't prove that he didn't act in self-defense. Two different things. Um, and that is, 
in those milliseconds of time, and somebody texted in, hey, didn't Lee Keltner have a gun too? Couldn't this guy have perceived that he was pulling a gun? I don't know if he had a gun. I don't know if it was displayed. I don't know if he knew it. I don't know if he said it. We would know that, I think. And if, if that's out there in the in the interwebs, forgive me, and you can let me know. But um, what about the fact that this guy sees him making a gesture with some dark object, pulling it up, and in those milliseconds of time that he's processing, could he have reasonably concluded this? Another great question from here, the wall of hate slash love. It just depends on what the topic is. Uh, someone says, hey, if a cop had shot someone who approached them like that and drew that bear spray, do you think the cop would be charged? My initial reaction was, I think it's unlikely. Give it, it depends on the situation, of course. I think if you're just walking down the mall, I don't know. But in this day and age, depending upon the, the county you're in, I don't know. I don't know. There are a lot of things that cops do that um, are getting treated with a greater degree of scrutiny today than they ever have been. Uh, we can see that all over the metro area, and maybe it's highlighted by the Elijah McClain case, which we've talked about here before. And without trying to turn this into an Elijah McClain um, story or conversation, you should know that having punted on making the prosecutor's decision about whether to charge or not, I'm talking now about our, our attorney general, the professor, and giving it to a grand jury so that he can hang blame on them for anything he doesn't achieve in the courtroom, uh, there is apparently no chance that those cases will be resolved before the election, which is entirely unfair to the voting populace of Colorado. They should get to know how badly this thing was mishandled uh, at the prosecution level. Um, my sense of it now is that First off, I think John Kellner wins as attorney general, and I think Colorado is better off for it. But um, and then we'll see. Actually, the pressure will be on John. What do you do with these cases at that point? Um, but I don't think the professor here wants a single thing to happen before he gets elected. And I'm talking about even dealing this case out. Do you know they have spent four months or more fighting over who can actually represent these defendants? Because some of the attorneys apparently had represented all or four of the five defendants at one point. And so now the AG's office is trying to kick them off of some of the cases. So we've spent more time with the AG trying to deny these defendants the right to counsel. It, that's what it sounds like. I, I need to see the pleadings first than actually litigating the substance of the accusations that they've made. But remember that a real prosecutor, a real career prosecutor who has put murderers away for the rest of their lives by the bushelfuls, Dave Young, looked at this case back when it happened. And when the medical examiner came out and said, I don't know what killed this young man, said, I can't prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. Sound familiar? Right. And then the governor intervened, but not right away. Only after Change.org tipped over two and a half million, I think, on its way to four million. Um, so the question, would this be different if a police officer was involved? Here's how I think it would be different. If this happened in Douglas County and a police officer shot an Antifa protester with bear spray, shot him right in the face, right there with that same video, and the DA had decided not to charge, depending upon what happens with change.org, I do think the governor might intervene and send this off to the to the AG to punt to the grand jury for something. That's my best guess. I'd uh, love to continue to take your calls at 303-696-1971. As you know, because the wall uh, here is just filling up with text, you can hit us at 710knus.com or on the 710knus app. You can text us, email us, call us. Love to have this conversation with you. But until we get back, you're listening to George Brockler filling in for the great Peter Boyles right here on 710knus.
George Brocko back with you here for the great Peter Boyles on 710 KNUS. Been having a good discussion. A ton of textures, by the way. Love it. And I uh, continue to try to read them. I can't read all of them on air here because there have been so many, but keep them coming. In the 7 o'clock hour, we're going to be joined by Matt Connolly from Campfire Colorado, who's going to talk to us about a pretty big event that got canceled last night because, uh, shocker, uh, the crime tsunami in the state of Colorado. But I want you to listen to something here from the number two person at the top of the most powerful government on the planet Earth here. And I want you to tell me if you can understand what she's talking about. What? What was the phrase you heard the most there? And what in the world is the vice president of the United States talking about there? If you can guess the topic, what would it be? I saw this clip on a tweet from Monica Crowley, who you know from Fox. It was brilliant. It said, this is like a scene out of Rain Man. (laughs) What is the vice president talking about? Wrong guesses only, because you can't possibly know what she's talking about from that quote. I'm going to go ahead and give it. I'm going to go ahead and tell you what's behind door number two. Uh, She was talking about high-speed internet in the state of Louisiana. Can we just hear it one more time? I just want people to have a real appreciation for the eloquence. Oh! Got it. Got it. Um, yeah, we have, we have an ad we got to play first. Cause we got Because, you know, it's the internet. <laughs> so we, we have to have advertising before everything. Don't worry about okay, it. Oh, wait, here it comes. Here it comes. Wait for it. The passage of what? Wait a minute, significance to what? It feels like the record's skipping there. For those of you that are old enough to remember the old vinyl days, doesn't it feel like it's just caught on the significance of the passage of time? Some clever speechwriter fed her a note card with that. That's all she took away from it. If there were other notes, that's all gone the way of the dodo. Heartbeat away, folks. Hey, when we come back, we're going to be joined by Matt Conley from Campfire Colorado to talk about a big event that got canceled yesterday because of crime. Until that time, you're listening to George Brockler. That's me filling in for the great Peter Boyles right here on 710 KNUS. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.